This morning I want to continue on with our sermon series, St. Luke's on Broadway, as we look at the Christmas movie and musical Elf. It was written by David Barabom. David graduated NYU back in 1993. He wanted to be a director, but he felt that the best way to get to do that would actually become a writer. To be able to write some movie scripts, to learn how to tell a story, and so he moved out to L.A., and there he began writing and writing and writing all of these freelance stories and then trying to see if there would be any interest. One of the stories he wrote back in 1993 was Christmas in New Jersey. It was the story about how Santa Claus was out delivering gifts on Christmas Eve. He was in an orphanage, and he didn't realize that this little baby boy had gotten out of its crib and crawled along the floor into his sack because he saw the toys. And when Santa got through delivering all his toys that night and got back home to the North Pole, he discovered the stowaway, this little baby boy. Well, all the elves decided they wanted to keep him. And so they raised him there at the North Pole. His name was Buddy. And they simply told him he was an elf, just like everybody else. But by the time that he had grown up to be 30 years old, he didn't look like everybody else. He was so much taller. And it turned out that his voice was so much deeper. And he couldn't make toys near like the other kids did. Finally, one day, they had to break the news to Buddy. You're really not an elf. You're a human being. And besides that, though your mother passed away, your father... Walter Hobbs, well, he's alive in New York City. He doesn't really know that you are alive or were ever born. And to really make matters worse, he's on the naughty list. The whole show is all about Buddy on a journey of discovery. Who is he? Who is his family? What does it mean to be able to love, to live the Christmas spirit out in a much more difficult world, New York City, rather than the North Pole. Well, it was a very intriguing story. He wrote the story with the whole idea that Jim Carrey would play the part of Buddy. And Jim Carrey was actually very interested in the whole idea. But before it could come to fruition, he got offered another role, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And Jim Carrey's career was often running in a different direction. Well, the show of Christmas in New Jersey just kind of floundered around until finally there was a management group that picked it up years later. The management group's name was A Guy Walks Into a Bar. Go back and look at this. Go back and watch the movie. Early on, you'll see the earliest credits. It's A Guy Who Walks Into a Bar. Picked up the story, thought it was great. They didn't like the title. They renamed it Elf. And it was off and running. Well, David was quite excited. He got to go to be a part of Disney Writers in Residence, a program that Disney had for young writers who showed great promise. And while he was there, they gave him the opportunity, why don't you write a musical or a movie based on the ride Haunted Mansion at Disney? He did. They picked it up. Eddie Murphy starred in it. 
So suddenly before he's 32 years old, David has two different movies in process, Elf and Haunted Mansion. Well, people were interviewing him and asking him, What's the, what kind of advice would you have to give to young writers? And David said, well, you have to, to be seated and work and work and write and write every day. But, he said, the most important thing I could tell you is you need to write about what you love. You need to write the shows that you want to see. And I thought, that's great advice. I would paraphrase that and say, you need to live what you love. You need to be the person you want to see others be. You want people to be patient and loving and kind? That's the person you need to be. Be the person you want to see in others. It really is the golden rule, but it actually works. Live what you love and be the person that you want others to be. Well, things went extremely well, obviously, for David, for 32 years old, having these two movies going on. But once it got picked up by the management group, a guy walks into the bar, they picked up the director, John Favreau. John Favreau, he... He was excited about making a movie that could be a Christmas special, one of those holidays that you, you want to watch year after year after year. He wanted to create that kind of a Christmas movie. And so he decided to give a, a nod to the past, to let the past, this history of the Christmas spirit, be a part of the movie that he was making. And it was fascinating, the things that he did. First of all, the characters, he, the actors he decided to hire were not the ones the studio wanted to hire. He wanted to hire people that he had watched as a child and had so admired. He went out and hired Ed Asner to wind up being Santa. He hired Bob Newhart to be Papa Elf. And then he hired Peter Billingsley. Now, Peter Billingsley, you may remember, is who played Ralphie in the movie a Christmas story. Well, he had Peter play the part of an elf working there at the North Pole. And then he decided in the movie there was going to be some animated figures. And he didn't want to use the new CGI, the computer-generated images. No, he wanted to use the old idea of claymation. All the characters, it was a stop-motion way that you did animation. He wanted to look like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. A story about a reindeer who's feeling excluded and wanting to figure out how do you wind up being loved and belonging. No, he, he decided he wanted to use claymation, and so that's what he did. And what he did is he went and got Ray Harryhausen, who was the inventor of claymation, and he had him do a voiceover for one of the animated characters at the beginning of the movie because he wanted to honor Ray, and he wanted to honor Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He also got permission to use the exact same costumes that the elves wore in Rudolph, and those are the costumes that were worn by the elves at the North Pole. If you remember going to the movie 
buddy went and got a job and he worked at a department store in New York called Gimbel's. You can test yourself and see if you remember the Christmas movie that had a department store named Gimbel's. It's Miracle on 34th Street. And then there's the scene when Buddy and his father have had a falling out and his father's hollering at him, you've ruined things. I don't ever want to see you again. I don't want you to be my son. And he runs off into the night. And where does he go? He, he goes to a bridge. It's Christmas Eve. It is snowing. And Buddy's wondering, does his life mean anything? And he's looking down into the waters. Obvious, it's the scene from It's a Wonderful Life. No, John worked hard to have a touch to the past and all these wonderful Christmas music, uh, music, I mean, all these wonderful Christmas movies and try to create that in the movie Elf. And he certainly did succeed. Elf came out in 2003. It's hard to believe it's been out 17 years. Came out in 2003 and it is one of the top three Christmas movies watched every year. Because it does something, it touches your soul with that Christmas spirit. And it was so successful that it was a few years later they decided, why don't we take this movie to the stage? And so they wrote the musical Elf and it opened on Broadway in the Christmas season of 2010. It ran for two months, which was what designed during that Christmas season. And then it came back in 2012 on Broadway, again for a two-month run in the holiday season. It opened at West End in London in 2015. But in 2012, there also started a national touring company going around America every single year, 2012, 13, 14, 15, and on and on, putting on Elf all around the country as a national touring company. And of course what they knew would happen was then you would start having high schools and local theaters, community groups all begin performing Elf, which was their hope that they could do something to help to create the Christmas spirit that would really touch people's hearts. Well, it's gone over extremely big now down through the years since 2003 and then since the musical hit Broadway in 2010. You know, I started going around this week asking different people, what's your favorite scene in Elf? And I was surprised almost everybody could immediately name me a scene that they remembered, that they loved, they enjoyed watching. One family said, we watch it every year as a family and we quote all the big lines that we love. Now, when I asked them, nobody mentioned the one scene that I was thinking about. Not because it was so funny uh, or so memorable, but there was one scene that I always remembered out of the movie. It was right at the very beginning of the movie. And you have Buddy in elf school. He's there to be learning code for the elves. And they're there and they have to learn three things. Is there a reason that I might like that scene? No, they all had to learn three things. And the first thing they had to learn was treat every day like Christmas. That's what we're doing today with Christmas in July. Treating every day like Christmas. And why not? 
How many times have you come to the end of Christmas and said, I sure wish I could keep this feeling all year long? You and I go through December. We go through a time of preparing our hearts. We decorate the sanctuary, our homes. We put up our Advent wreaths. We put out our nativity scenes. We worship and we try to focus on the birth of a baby in Bethlehem, God's gift to the world. We go through all this till we have Christmas Eve and we come together and light our candles and sing Silent Night. We give our gifts to one another. We get together with family and friends. You can't help but feel reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. It does something to your spirit, to your soul. And you come to the end of Christmas season and you want to hold on to it. And yet it tends to fade because we don't do those things that really help us to create that spirit. And we got to thinking about it and we said, why is there a good time versus not a good time to read the scripture of the birth of Jesus? God's Son coming into the world, our Savior. Why can't we read that any time we want? To remember the good news that a baby is born? You don't just have to read that on December 24th. You can read that any time throughout the year. Treat every day like Christmas. And that's what we're going to do today. We've come, to remember, come together so we can celebrate that good news. And what an important time it is. In the midst of a hot summer, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a national election, in the midst of an economic crisis, I can't think of a better time to hear the message. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It is a message that changed the shepherds, but it changes you and me and the world forever. So in July, let's take a moment and let's go back and remember the Christmas message. Three things. First of all, never forget that it is to the shepherds that the message comes. You've got to accept the scene and what is actually happening here. It is to the shepherds that the angels come to bring the message. Out in the fields, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with fear. Filled with fear? Shepherds? It's important to understand that shepherds well, they were always afraid they weren't good enough. They couldn't keep kosher. They couldn't live all the Jewish laws like the Sadducees and Pharisees. No, they weren't considered as good. They were never going to be the wealthy. They were never going to be the important. They wouldn't be the accepted ones and brought in. No, they were the marginalized, the poor. They were pushed out. They were always afraid they weren't good enough. They weren't lovable. They worried about their future. How do you make it? No, they had a lot of reasons to be afraid. 
And you know, I think about us right now in our world. I don't know what the future is going to hold with this pandemic. I don't know what's going to happen to us economically. You know, we're all trying to figure out what do you do with schools? When are they going to go back? Are they in class, in person, not in person? You know, there's so much uncertainty. It sure is easy to be afraid. And yet the first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid. The message of the birth of our Savior comes to the shepherds. It's a message that comes to you and to me. We don't have to be afraid. You know, they chose Will Ferrell to play the part of Buddy in the movie. And I think that wound up being a really great choice. Will Ferrell, you know, you know him from being on Saturday Night Alive and, and playing Elf and um, on the Anchorman. He's just as over the top. But they say in person, what you find is he is very sweet, unassuming, very kind. He's always praising somebody else and not wanting to accept the praise himself. He talks about growing up and how he grew up and he graduated from high school and he was going to go to USC. And he did go to USC and he got a degree in um, sports journalism. He thought he was going to be a sports broadcaster. But when he graduated, it just didn't feel right in his soul. And he said, I was so fortunate, my mom let me move back home. And he said, I lived there for the next two years as I tried to figure out who am I. He said, I was so afraid I wouldn't figure it out in this world. He tried lots of odd jobs. He went and worked as a, as a, um, a person in valet at a hotel. But he said the second day that he was working there, he drove this van under a low beam and it just knocked the luggage rack right off the, the van. That was the end of that job. And then he worked to work in a bank as a teller. And the first day he came up $300 short. Second day he came up $280 short. He wasn't stealing the money. He was just bad at math. And he wasn't paying attention. So he kept bouncing around at different kinds of, of jobs, just trying to find himself. And he found himself being drawn to improvisation, stand-up comedy. And he started trying in a few different clubs and places. And, and then finally he did an audition. And against all odds, he was chosen for Saturday Night Live. He would be on Saturday Night Live for seven years. He has been voted the number one character on Saturday Night Live's history. Now, Will Ferrell found his place, and he did it for seven years. And when he finally left SNL, he went so he could go play the role of Buddy in the movie Elf. It was just a couple of years ago that he was asked to come and give a commencement address back to his alma mater, USC. And of course, now he's been on SNL for seven years. He, he wound up being an elf and then the anchorman and, and just movie after movie. And I want to read you what he said to these graduating seniors. He said, you need to know I am still afraid. I was afraid to write this speech. But my fear of failure never approached the magnitude of my fear of what if I never tried at all. 
Let me tell you, the fear of failure never goes away. It's what you do in spite of it that matters. You and I are living in a time when there is so much uncertainty. There are so many things of which to be afraid. But the good news of Christmas is God comes to people like the shepherds, to people like you and me. And the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. Secondly, the angel says, For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. Great joy to all the people? You know, if there's one thing the shepherds didn't have, it was a whole lot of hope that they were ever going to know great joy. They struggled financially. They struggled with their self-esteem. They struggled in society. They didn't have a lot of hope for great joy. But what they were about to discover was it is God's grace that changed what's going on in here so that even if things don't change out there, you can know great joy. That was in a new message. It is in the birth of a baby in Bethlehem that you and I are going to find hope of a great joy, even though the circumstances may be very difficult. That's what Buddy was going to discover. You know, Buddy was the kind of guy who just was so innocent and so loving and so, so pure. And wherever he went, he just expected there to be great joy. And what he found was there isn't always joy in this world. But he always continued to hope. Whether he's in a department store or with Jovi, a new girl interest, or with his father or his brother or family, to come to discover that the Christmas spirit is what gives us hope of a great joy? Right now it sure is easy to lose hope. To feel discouraged and to wonder when will things ever change? Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will come to all the people. To experience that hope. The movie was so successful, starting in 2003, it was only three or four years later they decided to take it to Broadway, to put it on the stage. But of course, if you're going to take a movie and then you, you create a musical for Broadway, you have to do some adjustments. The story is going to have to, to change some. And so they turned to Thomas Meehan. Thomas Meehan is a, a writer I was a great writer for writing the, what's called the book for musicals. Now, it's easy to see why they turned to Thomas Meehan. Thomas Meehan was asked to write the book for a musical called Annie. We looked at it a couple of years ago. And when Annie hit Broadway in 1977, it was a huge smash. Such a smash that it would play for over 2,300 performances on Broadway. It was a few years later that Mel Brooks came to him and asked him to help write the book for the producers. And together they wrote that. And when it hit Broadway, well, it ran for 2,500 performances. And then they came to Thomas Meehan and asked him, would you write the book for Hairspray? 
Now, Hairspray was a teenage musical about Baltimore in the 1950s when these kids are struggling to figure out who they are in the midst of all this racial tension and prejudice. And what I thought was interesting was at that point, he was about 72 years old. And yet, he certainly understood the message and he wrote the book for Hairspray. We looked at it two years ago and when it hit Broadway, it would run for over 2,600 shows. It would be almost 10 years later, nine years later actually, he was 81 when they came to him and said, would you write the book for Elf? And he agreed and it was a home run. Why did he do it and why did he seem to be able to understand the struggles of an Annie or Hairspray or Elf? It's because when Thomas Meehan was 42 years old, well, he was working for The New Yorker. It had become kind of a dead-end job. He was going through a divorce. It broke his heart. He had two daughters he needed to support. He was flat broke. At 42, he was looking at his life and he was wondering, who am I? What is my future? What am I called to do? Good news of a great joy? He didn't have it in his life. But a friend came to him and asked, why don't you write the book for Annie? We're thinking this could maybe be a great musical. He thought the idea was a terrible idea. But he started reading the comic strips of Annie and it always seemed to be one of hope and, and the courage and to confront difficult circumstances. And the more he read, the better he liked the idea and he began to write. You know, it would take five years to bring Annie to Broadway. But it was something that resonated with his soul, as did Hairspray, as did Elf, one of the last projects that he would be a part of. He passed away just a couple of years ago at 88 years old. But you know, Thomas Meehan is the only writer to ever have three musicals that each got performed more than 2,000 times on Broadway. It's because he understood the message. First 42 years of his life were tough. The last 46 years were different. I bring you good news of a great joy that will come to all the people. Not just to shepherds, but to you and to me. It's where you and I find hope. And third, the hope comes because born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. Christmas is all about God coming into the world so that you and I could be reconciled to Him. It's about you and I experiencing the gift of forgiveness. It's about you and I being able to even forgive ourselves. 
looking at ourselves and our mistakes and our faults and our shortcomings and when we have fallen apart and been less than what we could have been, to know that we are forgiven and we are loved, we are reconciled with Almighty God. A Savior is born in Bethlehem. And it's when you and I experience that that then we begin to feel that way towards one another. And it's what happens at Christmas, this Christmas spirit. We start reaching out to one another with that same kind of forgiveness and acceptance and buying gifts for one another. And people are reconciled as family and friends. It's what makes the incredible Christmas spirit. The good news that you and I don't have to be afraid that you and I can still have hope for life and all that it can offer because of a Savior who was born so that we can be reconciled to Almighty God and to one another. That's the very thing we all want and hunger for, to know that we are loved, that we belong, that we belong to God's family. That's what Buddy wanted to know more than anything. Is he loved? Does he belong in his family? As you follow Buddy through New York, you can only imagine the difficulties and the humor that comes about because he's showing up in New York dressed like an elf, having lived his whole life as an elf and now trying to relate to people there at Christmas in New York. He winds up being in Gimbel's and there he meets Jovi, but then he gets into a fight with a fake Santa. He loses his job, helps to tear up the store. He then shows up to his father announcing that he was his son. His father is struggling, Walter Hobbs. He is a book editor, a publisher, and they're needing a new children's book for Christmas and they can't come up with one. And so what they decide to do is they're going to hire um, Miles Finch. Miles Finch is, is a great and famous children's book writer. And so they fly Miles Finch in. It's on Christmas Eve and they're going, we need your help to come up with a book that we can have for this first quarter. And Miles Finch comes in and Miles Finch, well, he's a little person. He struggles with dwarfism. And he is there at the table giving his pitch, very successful, famous. And in walks Buddy. And when he sees Miles, very innocently and honestly, he says, I didn't know you had elves working for you. And needless to say, Miles was not too humorous. And Buddy then continues to say, does Santa know you're here? Did you fly in on one of his reindeer? By now, Miles is really getting angry. And, and finally, Buddy looks over at somebody else and says, he's an angry elf. And it leads to a big fight. And Miles storms out without giving them the ideas they need. And Buddy's father, Walter, he just blows up and says, Get out of my life! Get out of my life! I never want to see you again. And that's when Buddy heads to the bridge, just like in It's a Wonderful Life. Well, on Broadway, they have to do it different. It's a different scene. But it's the same idea. Walter Hobbs and all of his crew are trying to look for some sort of an idea on a book. And it's his staff that discovers a, a book that has never been published by a very famous children's author who is now dead. They have the one copy that exists. 
People had heard about it. They thought, but no one knew. And now they have the script. Everyone is thrilled. We've got what we need. And Buddy wants everybody to be happy and not understanding what he's doing. He runs the script through a shredder to create snow to throw in the air so we can all be happy. And suddenly the book is gone. And again, Walter screams at him, I don't want you in my life anymore. And he runs out. It is only the spirit of Christmas where these two, we're going to discover what does it mean to forgive you, for you to forgive me. It's only in the spirit of Christmas can we come back and be family. The very thing that everybody wants to know there's somewhere where we are known for who we are with all of our shortcomings and mistakes and we are still loved. Whenever the musical went to Broadway, it was interesting who they chose to play Santa. It was George Went. George Went played Santa for Elf on Broadway in 2010. Now you may recognize the name George Went. He actually played the part of Norm Peterson in Cheers for 11 years. George Wynn has a fascinating story. You know, he was, he was born in Chicago, grew up, he was a good Catholic, and he went to Notre Dame for college. But in the first semester of his junior year, his GPA that semester was 0.0. And needless to say, he didn't get back, invited back for another semester. He'd ultimately get accepted into another Catholic college, um, Rockhurst there in Kansas City, and that's where he would graduate with a degree in economics. But he couldn't figure out what he wanted to do. Who am I? Where do I belong in this world? And so George took off and went to Europe for a couple of years. And he says, I know that sounds exotic, but let me tell you, it's really not all that expensive if you're willing to sleep on the street. No, he really did what he could to survive in Europe for a couple of years and then came back home and he decided to go and become a part of what's called Second City Theater in Chicago. Second City Theater is a kind of a training ground for improvisation, for stand-up comedy. It has a good uh, history of some of its people like Tina Fey and Steve Carroll and a number of others who went to Second City. Well, George Wentz showed up at Second City and said, you know, this is what I'm going to want to do. And he came and said, I need a job. And they said, you got it. And they handed him a broom. And they told him, you can sweep out the theater and pick up cigarette butts after the performances. And so that's what he did. And every now and then he got the chance to go up on stage and maybe to have a little improv or do a little stand-up comic somehow or go on a tour, actually. And he got a little part here and a little part there. But mainly, for six years, he swept the floors and he picked up the cigarette butts. And after that much time, he was trying for auditions and he happened to get an audition and against all odds, he was chosen for the part of Norm on Cheers. You know, a sitcom that would run for 11 years, 275 episodes, and Norm was a character who was a part of every single one of them. Well, obviously, George Went went on to do many wonderful things. But in 2010, 
he was chosen to play Santa Claus in Elf on Broadway. And he was a great success because he understood the message of the musical and he understood the message of Santa Claus for the Christmas spirit. And how did he understand it? Well, because for 11 years, every week, he was a part of Cheers, a place where everybody knows your name. At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that it is God who knows our name. It is a good news of a great joy that comes to all people, to you and to me. So that no matter who we are, no matter how we have failed or felt not good enough or marginalized, the truth is God knows our name. It's a place where we belong as a part of the family of God. And it's the thing we all hunger for, to know that somewhere in this world we're accepted, we're loved, we belong. It is the message of Christmas it's why we celebrate the good news that a Savior is born in Bethlehem. It's why we now have that opportunity. You know, I told you that one of my favorite scenes, his buddy, they're in elf school. And the very first thing they have to learn is treat every day like Christmas. But the second thing they learn in elf school, there is room for everybody on the good list. Why? Because the Savior has been born in Bethlehem. We can be reconciled to Almighty God and to one another so that we don't have to be afraid that we are the people of hope because we know we belong to the family of Almighty God. And that is good news no matter what day we choose to share it. Every day. Merry Christmas. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.